Now, you follow, as I read, a portion of God's Word. It comes from Ezekiel chapter 36. I'm going to read the first, I'm going to start at verse 16 and read through verse 20. It's verse 16 through 20. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, when the house of Israel lived in their own land, they defiled it by their ways and their deeds. Their ways before me were like the uncleanness of a woman in her impurity. So I poured out my wrath upon them for the blood that they had shed in the land for the idols with which they had defiled it. I scattered them among the nations and they were dispersed through the countries in accordance with their ways and their deeds. I judged them. But when they came to the nations, wherever they came, they profaned my holy name in that people said of them, these are the people of the Lord. And yet they had to go out of his land. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, what you've just heard, that stands, that endures forever. Guys, you may recall that last week I made a big deal out of that colon. You remember? Uh, it's the colon that is found right after the word me in verse 16. The word of the Lord came to me, and you see the colon there. And I made a big deal about it. And the point that I was trying to make then, and, and I know, know that I made it very well, um, but the point I was trying to make is that what follows that colon is a message. It's a sermon, if you will. Um, the author of the sermon is, of course, God. Uh, Ezekiel is nothing more than a mouthpiece of a message that God has for Israel. For captive Israel it starts after that colon and it doesn't finish until the end of the chapter in verse 38 this is a message that God gave to Ezekiel to preach to the captive people of Israel captive in Babylon there is a sense ladies and gentlemen in which what you find in these verses that we're going to study for the next few weeks um, is a summary of the message of the Bible what you see taught in Ezekiel 36, 16 through 38 is the same message that you see taught here, all through it. The entire message of the Bible is in one sense summarized in this passage that, is, that we're studying. Here in Ezekiel 36, this message from God is addressed to captive Israel. Yes. But we get to listen in. We get to listen in to this message that God has for Israel in her captivity. And then we get to figure out whether there is any application or lesson for us. So here we go. Israel is in trouble, big trouble. Babylon has invaded and has destroyed Jerusalem. And now there are thousands of Jews, thousands of Jews living in exile as common slaves there in Babylon. 
This wasn't the first time that a native people had been cast out of their homeland. Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden for much the same reason that Israel was kicked out of her homeland. And for Israel, it wouldn't be the last time. About 600 years later, Rome would do the job. Um, but God had warned her and warned her and warned her, it, particularly in the first five, in the Pentateuch. Deuteronomy 4 comes to mind. Warned her, Israel, if you discard me, I will discard you. So now, here she sits, Israel. She sits beside the, beside the rivers of Babylon in her hopelessness and helplessness, wondering, how did this happen? What are we doing here? Our whole culture has unraveled. How did this happen? And it is to those captives wondering how this thing fell apart that God sends a prophet, Ezekiel. And that, ladies and gentlemen, in and of itself is an act of grace. But his message that he got from God, remember that's what we talked about last week, the word of the Lord came to me. This message that Ezekiel has for Israel, that he came to God, is a message that is ultimately full of hope. But it doesn't open that way. It opens with an explanation. It opens with a, an explanation as to how they are where they are and how they got to where they are. The message opens by explaining why Israel is in Babylon in the first place. Why am I in this mess, Israel asks. And, as you see in this passage before us, like it or not, the message that God has for Israel starts with the bad news. The good news will come, but only after they grasp the reasons behind their mess. Before they can respond to the good news, they must get an accurate diagnosis of why they're in such a mess. Ladies and gentlemen, the gospel does not medicate symptoms. The gospel explains the illness and then offers the remedy. The gospel goes to the heart of the matter. And as, as I've been trying to, to help, make you see, 
This is the message that God has for Israel, and God starts with the bad news before he gets to the good news. And if I want to be a spreader of the message that God has, I've got to start where he starts. You see that? It's also important to understand that little colon. The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel, and here's the word of the Lord, and where does he start? He starts by giving them a diagnosis. You want to know why you're in the mess that you're in? Well, let me tell you why you're in the mess that you're in. And if I'm going to be faithful to the message that he, that God has, which I said really is a, um, in, in microcosm, the whole message of this book, if I'm going to spread that message, I've got to start where he starts. And ladies and gentlemen, the message of the Bible starts with sin. Let me read to you just one verse from another place in the Bible, which, I mean, you would have to really be half asleep or fully asleep to misunderstand this one verse. This is out of 2 Chronicles 7. Um, why has the Lord done thus to this land and to this house? Because they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who brought them out of the land of Egypt and laid hold on other gods and worshipped them and served them. Therefore, he has brought this disaster upon them. Gang, there it is again. <coughs> Pardon me. There's the same message that's in Ezekiel 36. Do you see it? Do you see it in verses 17 through 19? Let me, I'm gonna, let me read those again. Look, look with me. Son of man, when the house of Israel lived in their own land... They defiled it. They defiled it by their ways and their deeds. Their ways before me were like the uncleanness of a woman in her impurity. So I poured out my wrath upon them for the blood that they had shed in the land for the idols with which they had defiled it. <coughs> I scattered them among the nations. And they were dispersed through the countries in accordance with their ways and their deeds. I judged them. Gang, again, God has a message for captive Israel. And, and before we're finished with this passage, your hearts will begin, I hope, to leap. But before you get to that, verses 25, verses 26, verses 27, and, and, and Lord willing, we'll get there. Before you get there, you must understand how you or how we got into this mess. 
It was sin. Now, rather predictably, the world disagrees with such a notion. Um, They blame government. They blame bad luck or they blame my boss or bad potty training or um, inconsistent parenting. They blame anybody but themselves. But they do that because they they ignore that a person's number one need in his life is, is is a relationship with God. No matter how right everything else in their life may be going. The the number one need continues to be their need for a relationship with God. But that need is quite distasteful for people who think of themselves as good and think of themselves as in control. So what does God do? He authors a set of circumstances to show them that neither of those things are true. You're not good, and you're not in control. Ultimately, Israel, God puts you here because of your sin. And even though, says God, I am the one that brought you out of the land of Egypt and that house of bondage and brought you into your own land, you had such a good start, but everything went wrong. Why? Because you chose to defy me. You chose to replace me or ignore me or to worship other things. So why did it go so wrong? Look at verse 18. So I poured out my wrath upon them for the blood that they had shed in the land, for the idols which which they had defiled it. Why did it go so wrong? They defiled my land with their idols. Guys, think for a minute of the prodigal son. Remember that parable, that grand parable of the prodigal son? There he is over in the faraway country. What in the world is he doing over there? Eating pig slop. What is he doing over there? Well, I'll tell you, what he, you know, he just didn't, he didn't like living with that father. He didn't like the father. He didn't like the laws of the father. And so he said, well, you know, um, I, I, I reject all that. And that's how he got over there. Because you see, sin defiles not only a land, It defiles me. Oh, uh, we, we want that land that flows with the milk and honey. But we don't want those laws. And we don't want that father. And so paradise is lost. 
What we want is our so-called freedom. And we heard that life would be better over there, away from the Father. And all of those prophets that God sent to rebellious Israel, but they refused to listen. We know better. But then the famine comes. A virus invades. And we, like those captives in Babylon, begin to wonder, how did we get here? See, folks, um, sin not only defiles, but it insults. Can you imagine replacing this God with something man-made? What insult could be worse than that? Folks, in our present crises, How did we get here? Have we defiled our land with our idols? You know, you've heard me say this. I've said it numerous times from behind this pulpit. I've said that one of the things that God is doing in our pain is that he is putting his finger on our idols. Okay, Dr. Young, which ones? Well, I don't know. But here's one to um, at least consider. Did we turn our economy into an idol? So, um, so much so that we fell in love with all of the ease and the pleasure that we ignored God, or at least we relegated Him to third place? Folks, I, I am not saying that the economy is unimportant. But here's what I am saying. I am saying that the economy is not of ultimate importance. Have we done that? Have we choked out the effectiveness of God's word by our love of ease and pleasure? Gang, we cannot talk about the matchless love of God until we have first seen the enormity of our sin. The gospel always starts with the doctrine of sin. And once that is seen and understood, then 
What a sweet sound it is to be told about the deep, deep love of Jesus. The part we really don't like is the fact that God punishes sin and we, we try to take a fact and make it a non-fact. And um, there are so many who refuse to believe that God is punishing sin. I mean, they, they do all kinds of religious and theological gymnastics to try to get around it. But here it is. Look at verse 18. So, I poured out my wrath upon them. Ladies and gentlemen, I would say to you that the history of the nation of Israel is a proof of God's hatred of sin. And when you see her seated by the rivers of Babylon, hopeless and helpless, then one of the things that we ought to learn is that God will not sit idly by while we relegate Him to third place. Well, I, I, you know, Dr. Young, I, I just want to hear the good part. Could you get on to the good part? Well, we will. We'll get to that. But this is where God's message starts. And this cannot be ignored. My not liking this idea does not make it go away. Remember that colon. This is God's message. And it is arranged in the order that he sees will most be beneficial. And it starts with a diagnosis of the disease. And um, the diagnosis is we are where we are because we did this to ourselves. because of our sin. Guys, uh, to be without Christ is to be cast outside because you remember that, that statement in the back book about his eyes are too holy to even look upon iniquity. But do you remember also the parable, that, I mean the message that, that God has for the captive Israel. It's the same message that Jesus brings in the New Testament, the same one. But do you remember the parable in Matthew 22 about the parable of the wedding feast? Do you remember that one? It's in Matthew 22, and I'm just going to read a portion of it. Um, but when the king came in to look at the guest, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And the man was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, 
Bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You don't come before this king without the wedding garment. You don't come pleading your own righteousness and talking about how what a good person you are and how much control you've got. He was cast out, and it's all so unnecessary. Because the wedding garment is available. It's a garment granted by grace. And though you may have spent many years openly defying this God, he has nevertheless sent his son to die for people like us. Or perhaps I've simply relegated him to third place while I pursued riches and pleasure. So my soul has withered and dried up. Ladies and gentlemen, the way of escape is open. The way of reconciliation is offered. Why will you stay in the faraway country as a captive? The prodigal son went home to the father. And so can we. One of my dear friends is a man by the name of Bob Duke. He's a radiologist. And he has been um, a part of Gracie Van from the opening gun. And his medical practice is named diagnostic imaging <laughs> well ladies and gentlemen that's what this text is it's an image of diagnosis and to get well you got to start here with an admission that my problems are, my, are due to my own sin. And then the good news is, God in His kindness has sent a remedy. Jesus Christ who is the friend of sinners. Our Father, would you show us that message that you have for us? Us as a church, us as individuals. Would you show us, O oh God, what 
what application ought to be made for a group of people who love you but love you so little forgive us but Lord if you have led anybody here today who is still in the bondage of their own sin would you show them that they are where they are because of that sin that they thought would give them freedom and it has done nothing but enslave them show them the beauty of this savior of ours and would you draw them irresistibly by your spirit to that friend of sinners jesus we pray of course in his name amen